This is a Federal News Network podcast. The next time you walk to Canada, you'll encounter a little less border crossing friction. Customs and Border Protection has introduced its facial recognition comparison technology to ease the back and forth of pedestrians using the Peace Bridge. The venerable structure connects Buffalo, New York and Fort Erie, Ontario, Canada. For details, we turn to CBP Deputy Executive Assistant Commissioner Diane Sabatino. Ms. Sabatino, good to have you on. Hi, thank you so much. How are you today? All right. So give us a sense, first of all, how much foot traffic is there? I guess most of it must be in the summer because it's cold up there in the winter. It is cold up there in the winter, but we've actually seen very reduced numbers across our northern and southern land border because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the volume right now is significantly down, but we have a kind of long history of trying to create a best-in-class travel system across all of our environments in the land, air, and sea, and our simplified arrival is a significant piece of that. You know, we've been implementing our vision of a secure and seamless and touchless travel experience well before the COVID-19 pandemic. But now we've recognized that as our resources had regularly been put to the test with those significant volumes in some place like the Peace Arch in Buffalo, during those peak travel seasons, we're not seeing those numbers now, but we do understand that this, uh, you know, rollout, these deployments are going to be critical and part of the solution in building that traveler confidence back uh, when that travel picks up again. Sure. And tell us about how the system works. I'm an American citizen. Let's start there. I'm going to walk to Canada for the day. I I guess people walk there. And what happens when I hit the bridge? So uh, if someone is traveling back into the U.S. and crossing at one of our locations, and for example, the Peace Bridge, an individual will simply pause for a photo and we run that image against a gallery of images that we have to confirm the identity of that individual. And and essentially what we've done with the technology that's available today, we use the biometric facial comparison technology, is automate a process that we've been doing for years. We have always done the visual comparisons manually with the officers making the document verification check. And now we have that automated. And frankly, the systems are better at doing it than our officers. And we relieve that administrative burden from them so they can actually speak and engage with the individual to determine their intent. But taking a photo is intuitive. Everyone knows how to do it. So a very simple process for individuals as they travel. And the reference photo, where does that come from? That would be the one from their passport? The gallery is comprised of photos where individuals have either provided photos for passports or visa applications. And I guess my question is, how would you know who's going to be crossing in a given day? You can't have every possible person in the United States in that database at hand. No, we do have a very comprehensive holding of the prior travel and the crossings for individuals. And, uh, you know, it's a very quick process for individuals. It usually takes about one to two seconds to match an individual based on the information that we have available to us. But we do build out galleries, in particular in the air environment where we get that advanced passenger information. We really refine that all the way down to an individual flight where there'll only be a comparison to anywhere from 150 to 400 or so images. But in that land border environment, uh, with the technology where it is today, we're able to do those matches against our holdings very quickly as well. So that's a reach back to some cloud type of storage system for the library? Yes, we do maintain a gallery in a cloud-based system. The photos themselves are actually templatized. You're not looking at an actual image. Certainly the technical aspect, I would have to defer to exactly what that algorithm reflects in the system. But that match is made with the photo that's taken of the individual as they approach the officer. 
We're speaking with Diane Sabatino. She's Deputy Executive Assistant Commissioner at Customs and Border Protection. And how do you choose which location to roll out this type of technology next? I know it's been rolled out at some of the pedestrian crossings on the southern border with Mexico. What uh, caused you to do it now at Canada? We've really been looking at it as strategically as possible and where we could get the most bang for our buck and have the most significant impact. And really, it's the availability of the resource commitment as well as a a couple of different variables that we'll consider. Uh, We've accelerated our schedule in the deployment for simplified arrival to the air, land, and sea environments, knowing how important it is to get to that true vision of that touchless travel that we see and that seamless travel for individuals. You know, we'll be rolling out to a number of locations across the northern and southern land border. We're at 10 locations currently, the majority of which are on the southern land border right now. But by the end of 2021, we anticipate being in almost all of the locations. And what about vehicle crossings? Because mainly the Peace Bridge is a three-lane car and truck crossing. And we're still working on the solution for that. Uh, You know, we have been working uh, diligently with our Office of Information Technology as well as NEC on the technology and the cameras that we'll use. But that is ultimately the goal, to have it deployed in both uh, the pedestrian and the vehicle crossings. What are the challenges for doing it inside the car? Is it getting the camera up there or the time it takes and it could cause a traffic backup? Or what are the issues? Some of the things that impact the ability to take could just simply be the lighting. But the technology and and the cameras, the algorithms, where they are today, we've seen significant improvements in our ability to do that. And we're constantly working with our partners in the industry and, you know, relying on, uh, you know, the biometrics industry to help us uh, come to the solution. The weather could have an impact, frankly, in that land border environment. So working through those issues. But we think we have good solutions uh, on the horizon. Yes, I imagine they'd have to roll down the window at some point and the light would have to get in there. Is vehicle facial used anywhere else yet, or is that still coming to all the locations? That's still pending. We have been rolling out simplified arrival to the pedestrian environments, and the vehicle is beyond testing at this point. It's not deployed at this point. It is under testing, but it's not ready for prime time, in other words. Yes. Okay. And you mentioned that the image that is taken at that point of crossing is an algorithm, and it has just details or minutia of the face and so forth. What happens to that image after the person comes back? You know, one of the things that was really baked in from the beginning with the deployment of the facial biometric comparison technology was the privacy piece. Because, you know, with new technology, very understandably comes concerns with respect to privacy. So from the very beginning, you know, outlining what those measures were going to be. And I should mention first that U.S. citizens can opt out of the process itself. They're not required. And, you know, we convey that message through signage in the air environment, certainly through announcements, you know, in the FIS and and the gate area. But the photos themselves of U.S. citizens that do opt in, we hold on to those, I would say, no longer than 12 hours, but they could be deleted. And all of the information associated with the photo is deleted before that 12-hour mark. But with respect to uh, non-immigrants, foreign nationals, uh, those images are transferred over to our IDENT system where we maintain that biometric record. And for those that opt in to use this, what is the advantage to them versus opting out? think it's a seamless process. And when I mentioned, you know, it relieves the administrative burden of the officer. It certainly is enhanced security because, you know, the algorithms certainly are definitely helping us. We've identified over 300 imposters and we're finding more daily as we roll out to new uh, locations and environments. 
but as far as the enhancement for the individual, it's, you know, for uh, the foreign nationals, uh, if we haven't already taken fingerprints, they would be required to provide fingerprints, but uh, in the event that they've already provided and had that prior travel, it's that touchless experience for them. And, you know, seamless, because of that one to two second time frame, uh, to find that match, the officer's already engaged in the discussion to determine their uh, intent and, and better able to make a decision more efficiently. Diane Sabatino is Deputy Executive Assistant Commissioner at Customs and Border Protection. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.